Welcome to Cycle Systems Online Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about diagnosing e-bike problems and e-bike mechanics. It's probably one of the things we get asked about the most, and it's also possibly one of the areas a lot of mechanics are feeling a bit intimidated by. Let's face it, when most of us did our bike mechanic training, e-bikes was not part of the syllabus. So I want to take you through my experience with e-bikes thus far. Like all of you, I'm definitely still learning, but I've had some really good daily experience for the past few months and wanted to try and pass that on. So the first thing to remember is, of course, e-bikes are just bikes. Most of the mechanics we're going to be doing is exactly the same. We are dealing pretty much exclusively with internal wiring and cabling, etc., which can make the jobs take longer. And also a lot of the tech, while it's not e-bike specific, you might find is much, much more common on e-bikes. So you're definitely going to have to up your gearbox game. You're going to have to up your hub gear game. And there are certain hubs such as the Onviolo, which are pretty much exclusive to e-bikes, which is really common. I found the Onviolo hubs really common and really quite fiddly as well. So essentially, it's really worth taking the time the first time you come across these sorts of systems to make sure you're doing the things properly. Now, we actually partner on Violo for our team camp training, and you're welcome to speak to us about that. But Violo, like all manufacturers, do have some good information on their website as well. It's really worth noting that while there's good basic instructions on the website, there's certain things to look out for. So I'll take you through that now. The Onviolo hub that you'll find on many, many mid-motor e-bikes is used to be called the Nuvinci hub, and it's a twist grip hub gear, which doesn't have indexing. It doesn't have gear one, gear two, gear three. It's just a seamless friction shift, essentially between the gears. It has two standard gear cables um, in the twist grip shifter. The cables wrap all the way around the shifter in an open channel. Then they go into their respective housing, normally inside the bike's frame. Then they pop out near the hub. There are two different connections, which you then bolt onto the gear cables themselves. You set the correct length of in a cable to the end of the housing, just like you would on many hub gear systems, connect them to the hub and it should all work really peachy. However, what are the common problems? Well, firstly, because we have a cable system, we have all the standard issues of a cable system. So cables rusting, housing degrading and splitting, um, and essentially, you're going to need to replace at some point because of this. Also, just things like removing a wheel to replace a set of brake pads or put on a new tyre. You are actually unhooking the Onviolo cables. What you want to be incredibly careful of here is that you don't move the Onviolo shifter while those cables are not attached. Because if you move the Onviolo shifter without those cables being under load, What's almost certainly is going to happen is those cables are going to jump out the channels that they're running through. So like I said, they're open channels 
in the shifter. Imagine it's like a trench which goes all the way around the shifter. They're right next to each other. And quite commonly, you'll find an MVOLO um, shifter which is just not moving the whole way or is just crunching and grinding. And it's almost always the cables have got snagged up in the shifter. And you might actually have created that problem yourself just by one small mishap. So keep those cables under load at all times. If you need to replace them, they are a bit fiddly, but it doesn't take long, you know, after a few goes watching the videos until you've got it. But I'd really, really recommend using the Onviolo tool. And this is a tool for the hub end of the gear cables. You put the housing into the tool, you put the uh, end caps into the tool or the, the attachments for the gear cables, and it just sets everything up absolutely perfectly. It removes any guesswork. It means you're not having to get the um, ruler out to measure, you know, etc. And it's really, really worth getting if you're doing lots of e-bikes. Another thing with the Onviolo hubs is in time, the actual gearing goes lower and lower and lower. And this is a, a slippage in the actual hub itself, and it can be reset. And Onviolo call this resetting the overdrive. And the reality of doing this is more fiddly than they make out on their little video. Essentially, the two gear cables go into a fitment which slides onto the hub. And this fitment itself, you can twist it and it twists an inner part of the hub. It connects through splines. And what you'll find when you remove this is there's an upper and lower splines part of the hub. And you can twist the upper part with the cable attachment to line up two painted blue dots, basically. And that's what you need to do if the customer's spinning out at 100 RPM and not really going very fast. You're essentially resetting the high gear on the hub and then set the hub up as normal. So that's just one example. You know, you see e-bikes with roll-offs, you see e-bikes with lots of them now with pinion gearboxes and belt drive, etc. And of course, the belt drive systems massively reduce the need for drivetrain cleaning, drivetrain adjustments, drivetrain uh, replacements in terms of traditional chains, cassettes, chain rings. In terms of the traditional um, types, when there's still vast majority of e-bikes have chain cassette chain ring, we have found that essentially as soon as the chain goes to 0.75% wear, you actually want to replace everything so it's normally worth not just replacing the chain or just the chain and cassette because of the much higher loads from e-bike motors what you want to do is when you come to replace you're replacing the chain ring or chain rings hopefully just a chain ring the chain and the cassette all in one no questions now, of course, you can try just replacing the chain or just replacing the chain and the highest sprocket if you want to or highest two sprockets. But essentially, I definitely recommend just replacing the lot in one go. So the e-bike mechanical side of things, then, it's not that different to standard bike mechanics. It's just getting familiar with new equipment and equipment that isn't standard if you're used to working on acoustic bikes. With the electrics themselves then, 
there are three main areas that we need to look at in terms of diagnosis and repair. And that is the app and the um, error codes, which will come up on the head unit of uh, an e-bike. We want to look at visual inspection in terms of the wiring and the connections. And then we want to look at using a multimeter and using a bit of electrical knowledge in order to find out what's happening. So with e-bikes then, whether it's a hub motor, whether it's a mid motor, you've got basically the same components in both systems. However, you will find different bikes and different designs will have it all stacked up in slightly different ways. Also, there's lots of new technology constantly coming out. So the ABS systems for front brakes, which are most common on e-bikes, personally, I can't imagine much point for them in any kind of acoustic bike, but let's see where the market goes. They definitely add a level of complexity to the brake bleed. It's another system with electronics. So an ABS system is combining electronics with the hydraulics, and you need to really remove some of the ways that you've been working in the past. So certainly with the blue brake system, which we've been using, um, there's a couple of different generations of the blue brake system. But essentially, one of the things that's really important when working with that is you don't pump the lever while you're bleeding. Because essentially with the ABS system itself, you pump the lever with the um, when you're bleeding and you're actually going to blow a load of seals and permanently damage the braking system. Whereas for most of us, pumping the lever to make sure the master cylinder is free of bubbles is just part of the standard procedure. Another thing about ABS systems is that the hydraulic fluid isn't just going from the lever, the master cylinder, through to the caliper, the slave cylinder. It's actually going inside the bike to the top tube where you've got the controller, ABS controller. Sometimes that's even a separate actuator as well. So there's all sorts of um, extra hosing and lots of right angles there. And then the fluid goes back into the headset and then to the front brake. And what you find is that doing a standard bleed can leave all sorts of air bubbles in the system. And in fact, we even had an, a blue brake lesson by um, the experts in that system. They'd bled a brake for two hours and it was still spongy. So it was quite a, an issue. You always need to have the bike turned on, by the way, to bleed an ABS system because you have to have the electrical current and electrical side of it in operation when you're bleeding. Another thing to be aware of is that it really reduces the air in the system and the time it takes to bleed with a bleed machine. We've got a Tetro bleed machine, which is really good for the Magura, for the Shimano, for the Tetro, obviously brakes. Pretty much all e-bikes are running mineral oil brakes. Most, I'm sure all with ABS will. Even SRAM have now got a mineral oil brake to meet the demands of e-bike manufacturers who all want to be using mineral oil. So ABS, the Bosch system, as with many things, is a bit more reliable and straightforward to service. 
but definitely with the blue brake system, don't just go in and bleed it like a normal brake. If you do it with the engine off, you'll get pistons being pushed out as soon as you remove the spacer, all sorts of weird things going on, and often quite a poor bleed as well. So then getting into these methods of diagnosis then, the best systems, and Bosch is amongst the very best, the specialized are very, very good as well. Shimano is quite good. What you tend to have is a display, which will display an error code. And normally with the good quality mid-motor systems, an error code simply indicates there's a problem with the head unit, there's a problem with your um, power control on the handlebar, there's a problem with the motor. And you can go straight to that uh, component, test it, I'll talk about that in a sec, replace as necessary, and job done. Also, most of the good systems will have associated software that you can either plug the bike into, or increasingly, as we're seeing now, for example, with the Stroma Speed Pedal X, you have a Wi-Fi connection, so you can actually diagnose the bike remotely. In fact, you don't even need to be in the same room to diagnose a bike, so that is going to be quite useful to diagnosing customers' bikes before they even come in. And also with the Strom is actually you can lock a stolen bike remotely because it's all connected through the web. So essentially, when you have um, when you have the an app that you can connect into or a software program you can plug a cable into, it allows you to update software, which is often one of the things meaning a bike isn't working or isn't working optimally. And also you can use the software to diagnose any issues that you can't get to with error codes. Of course, there are bikes and systems out there which don't have apps, which don't display error codes, and you're gonna to need to use some of the more electrical knowledge, which we'll talk about shortly. Now, there are brands such as the aforementioned Stroma whose error codes are simply indicative of a series of problems. And you're going to need to leave a lot more time to work through the flow charts, the error flow charts, until you find the exact issue. And this can take some time. So, for example, I recently had a stroma which was working perfectly, actually wasn't displaying any error code, but would not charge the battery when you plugged the charger into the bike. You could remove the battery and charge the battery, no problem. But there was a problem there in the charging when the, the battery was in the bike. Now, you might think, as I did, well, the problem is simply going to be the charger plug itself. Um, obviously, I tested the actual battery charger. That was fine. But the charger plug in the bike would seem to be the obvious thing here. Now, what you can do is obviously test um, with a multimeter to make sure that charge is running through this. Or what's often quicker and simpler is if you have stock. So if you're a dealer for the e-bikes you're working with, you can simply get a brand new unit of whatever you're working with, in this case, the charger socket, swap out all the various wires that are plugged into it, plug that in and test. Is it working? Now, in this case, it wasn't. And the easiest way to test the problem here, because there are so many different wires on these stromers, you know, going to and from the controller, the motor, the head unit, the battery, etc. 
what we did is just swapped out different parts to check where the issue was. And it ended up being a part called the distribution board, which sits inside the head tube. So yes, that was entertaining as it sounds. It had at least a dozen electrical wires leading off it. And these wires were going inside the head tube. They were going inside the stem and they were going inside the top tube. So all around and inside the down tube as well. And just to even remove the fork, we had to completely disconnect the front hydraulic brake as well. So it was an incredibly long job, it took many hours with lots of hours of labor time just to replace this one part, the distribution board. And that was after testing the controller, it was after testing the battery socket, step by step by step until we got to the correct part. So that's one way to do it. And those of you that are mobile mechanics or independent workshops are probably thinking, well, what do I do? I simply don't have spare parts for lots of different e-bikes sat around. And unfortunately, there's nothing anyone can do about that unless you're willing to invest in those parts. And to be perfectly honest, Sod's Law will always mean <laughs> there's always a different one that you need when certain bikes come in. So you might want to only take on certain jobs, or you might want to work in partnership with dealers, local dealers, for certain types of e-bikes as well. So essentially, looking then, I'll look at the visual inspections and connections, and then we'll look at the multimeter. With the um, visual inspections, it's often really quite straightforward. Essentially, we've got all these electrical wires, and if there's a problem with you know a light not working or the, the motor's not kicking in, you know, battery's not charging, these kinds of things, all we need to do is to actually open up the bike, maybe drop the motor out, and just inspect the wires, inspect the connections, you know, unplug the connections, inspect them. And you'll often see wires that have melted together. You'll see connections that have burnt out. You'll see wires that have got squished and, and squashed and damaged. And it's simply then a matter of replacement of the parts. Sometimes with connections, all you need to do is to clean them up a bit. And there's all sorts of electrical connection sprays or electrical connection gels. I would always consult with the manufacturer's recommendations for exactly what they recommend for um, connection care and lots of manufacturers do actually sell their own gels or what have you in order to protect the connections so the actual physical stuff can be quite long-winded because like i've said everything is internal and one of the things i find with the e-bike industry in its infancy as it is is everything's a bit kind of Heath Robinson at the moment. So we drop a motor out. There's no special tool for holding a mid-motor. And some manufacturers recommend you turn the bike upside down, which is not best practice in many, many ways, not the least because there's lots of stuff on the handlebars you don't want to squash. And we actually got recommended a gearbox cradle from the motor industry, which is pretty good. And we tend to use that when we're supporting motors but also one thing with lots of mid motors 
and this is that you've just got this mass of electronic wires and you've got your hydraulic lines and uh, cables coming through as well but this mass of electronic wires and then you've got to squash the mid motor into quite a small cavity in the frame and just hope all the wires are going to be okay and it's not uncommon to see wires damaged by people forcing motors back in and damaging a wire they just aren't proper conduits for electrical wires at the moment for e-bikes you know what's behind the glossy plastic covers can be pretty scary to look at and staggering when you look at the price of these bikes so hopefully that will get better but when you drop an e-bike motor out and see this mass of wires and you ask yourself do i really just need to bunch these together push them into the frame and hope for the best will i force the motor into the correct position the answer is yes that's exactly what you're expected to do which is just mad isn't it but that's where we're at in 2023 so essentially if we can't diagnose a problem through error codes or through an app if there's no physical obvious problem there if you have you know not got the spare parts to plug in and check then using a multimeter to check the voltage to check the ampage to check the ohms the resistance is a really really useful way to find out is current going from and to where it should so in order to do this correctly firstly you are going to need a bit of electronics training i can't give you that on the podcast but definitely get a little bit of basic electronics training learn how to use a multimeter if you don't know how learn about the different aspects of electronics and then what you need to be able to do is to understand where do signals go from and to within this particular e-bike system so say for example the stroma which is the bike i'm working with a lot at the moment there's a controller in the stroma which is in the down tube and this controller will send signals to certain components it will receive signals from certain components and some components it will send and receive signals to so when you understand that you're going to start to know what to measure where and how and chase the problem through until you find oh there's no power between here and here it's got to be the wire or there is coming through but the component isn't working so the problem's the component and some manufacturers like stroma have all sorts of great tools that you can plug into different parts of the bike to easily connect a multimeter because sometimes when you're connecting a multimeter to battery ports or wires and such which are all hidden away inside the frame it can be quite tricky to do and hold the multimeter and take the reading etc so definitely invest in some of the specialist tools so then in summary the e-bikes are nothing to be afraid of there's definitely some specialist training and specialist electronics knowledge that you're going to have to get i think just expecting that you're a practical type and a bike mechanic therefore you should be able to do it is not quite enough and that is how it's been treated a lot at the moment which i really don't agree with you can diagnose problems with the software from the manufacturer the motor manufacturer you can diagnose problems with error codes you can diagnose problems through visual inspection 
and for a multimeter and an understanding of the bike and the system. So thanks for listening for Cycle Systems Online Podcast. You can find us at cyclesystemsonline.com and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.